Well, hey, we're in week two of this series called Building Your Foundation. And last week, we talked all about how God uses practical teaching uh, to keep us growing, that it's all about application and obedience, right? We said the value of any truth is in the application. Uh, It is not in the truth itself. Only when we apply it does it come to life. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, jump online, catch up with us. Well, today is the second thing we believe that God will use to build your foundation. Remember, we said there's five things. It's going to be a five-week series uh, that will end on Super Bowl Sunday. And unfortunately, the Super Bowl got a little sadder for most of us uh, last night. And uh, hopefully, it'll get sadder for the Packer fans, too, later today. But anyway... That's coming up. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. We just get better. That's all we do. Let's just get better. And I'll be better once they lose. So I'm not even going to stay on that because I just talk about that the whole time. I can't do it. Where was our offensive line? Okay, I just, I got to stop. I got to stop. All right. So today, uh, this second thing that we're going to talk about is all about private disciplines. Uh, everyone say private disciplines. Private disciplines. Uh, Yes, I said the D word, the discipline word. We don't like that word very much, do we? Yeah, you didn't like it when you were a kid, and you certainly don't like it as an adult, do you? Uh, We we don't like this word, and it really just means stuff you're supposed to do uh, that you don't want to do, right? That's kind of it. Whether it's getting up earlier or going to bed earlier or saving more and spending less or eating less or exercising more, you know, on and on and on and on. But isn't it true? And maybe you'd find this, I found this true, that there never seems to be enough time or energy for all the things that you would like to be super disciplined in. Can I get a hello, right? You know, like, is anybody else resonating? It seems like there's so many things. And even in our culture, I just feel like there's so much pressure to be perfect at everything. And you got to every area of your life, there's so much that we need to be disciplined in. But then you meet the person that is really disciplined in like tons of areas in, in, your, in their life. Have you ever met someone like that? Like someone that you're inspired by, like you look at their life and you're like, I want to be more like them. And then like on the other side, you want to like take them out because you're really frustrated with them, right? That they could be that sickly disciplined. How do they do that, right? It makes you frustrated and inspired all at the same time. Uh, We've all met people like that. But here's the the cool thing about discipline, and, and many of us have experienced this, that over time, with enough practice and putting those disciplines into place, the one thing, maybe the thing that you once dreaded doing has actually become a joy doing. Right, that over time, as that discipline got into your life, as you saw the progress it began to make, you thought to yourself, I actually enjoy this in my life. Uh, Like, have you ever met a runner? Like someone that loves to run. Anybody ever met a runner? Our kids and family pastor, Connor, he loves to run. I don't get it, but he loves to run. He actually took, he did track in, in high school and college and all of those things. In fact, my neighbor is super inspiring. She has ran every day, I think, I could be mistaken, for three consecutive years, every single day. She has never missed a day of running. I want to be like her when I grow up, right? I mean, you just go, how does that happen, right? Um, it's, it's very, very inspiring. And so there was a few years ago that I just thought, I want to be a runner, I'm going to be a runner. I want to be like them. And so I got the shoes and I got, you know, the right shirt and shorts and I got the ear things in and I'm like, I'm going to do this, right? And so I started out and about a block and a half later, I realized I don't want to be a runner. I don't want to do it. In fact, I hate running. I I don't want to run unless someone's chasing me. That is the only time that I want to run. But there are many people who say, well, I didn't really like running when I started but it's actually become a discipline in my life and it's become something I've learned to enjoy and it's brought so many benefits health-wise and all these things to my life. 
See, for many people, things that started out as a discipline later became a joy in their life. And so here's the interesting thing about discipline, and I think we all know this is true. This is your first villain. The discipline always results in progress, even if you have a bad attitude. <laughs> Isn't that true? Right? Even though you may not want to run or you may not want to exercise, right? we know that, wow, there's progress being made even if I'm clenching my teeth the whole time. Even if I don't want to do it and I have a bad attitude, there's, discipline still brings progress into my life. And so today, we're going to look at two private disciplines that Jesus says are very important if you want to have a solid foundation of faith, a solid foundation in your life. And in fact, when you see people whose faith is huge, you will find that they have focused a lot of time and energy on these two things. And here they are, personal time with God and obedience to God in their finances. And I'm telling you, over 20 plus years of doing this, I would have to agree that these are two of the most important foundational things that you can put into your life. Learning how to develop time with God and being obedient to God in your finances. And here's what's so cool, that when you really look at what Jesus is talking about here, it's not about being able to pray a prayer like, hey, God, help me to have good dreams, or hey, God, help me to pass that test I didn't study for, or you know, whatever. And it's not about just giving your finances to meet a need. Rather, the key in all of this, when we step into trust in these areas, it's actually about what it's doing inside of me. It's changing my heart. It's increasing my faith. It's securing my foundation. And if I were to ask by a raise of hands, how many of you want faith to be secure? We'd all raise our hand. How many of you want your foundation to be secure? We'd all raise our hands. And these are two things that Jesus says, if you will lean into this, if you become obedient in these areas, it for sure will happen for you in these areas. And many Christians would say, when I started doing these two private disciplines, uh, it was difficult. In fact, it was, I didn't even know what to pray and how do you spend time with God and uh, you know, and forgiving, you know, I'm fearful because what if I don't have enough at the end of the month, on and on and on. But many, many Christians would say that now that I've implemented these disciplines in my life, it's just become a part of my life, and I cannot imagine not spending time with God. I cannot imagine not being obedient to God with my finances. It's become second nature. In fact, it's become a joy in my life. And so, as we get into this, let me just say two things as like a little asterisk you know, disclaimer kind of a thing. That if during this talk today, number one, if you're wondering if any of this is true, I want to encourage you to go home and open your Bible and read it for yourself and just say this. Say, God, would you speak to my heart? God, I, I want to look for your truth in, this, in your word and I want to apply it to my life, so speak to me. So you can search for that. Instead of doing the mental gymnastics, read it for yourselves. And then number two, if you find yourself resisting these truths this morning, I want you to pay attention to that. I want you to pay attention to the tension and just ask yourself this question, why am I resisting? What is it? Right, because oftentimes when God is stretching us, there's tension there. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Because faith, as you know, faith is like a muscle. This is your next fill-in. Faith is like a muscle. The more you wear it out and stretch it out, then rest it, it grows. And you've experienced it if you've ever done weightlifting, right? Same with our muscles. If we wear them out, stretch them out, right? Rest, it heals, your muscle actually grows. Same is true of your faith. In order for your faith to be strengthened, it's got to be tested. It has to be stretched. 
And that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to bring us to points where, yes, he exhausts our faith, and then he comes through in a big way, right? And there's relief, and it's like, oh, God, thank you so much. And it grows your faith to go to another level, and he tests you again, and it grows again, and you keep trusting in your heavenly Father. And suddenly, your foundation gets massively strengthened because you exercised faith, and God came through. So with all of that as an appetizer and, like, setting this thing up, Let's talk about these two important things that Jesus talks about. And we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you can join it. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screen. And Jesus said this in Matthew 6.1. He said, Be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no... What's that word? You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so this, this, this phrase, acts of righteousness, is what we're calling private disciplines, right? These private disciplines or these acts of righteousness that we Im, Im, implement into our lives are, Jesus says, to be done in front of your heavenly Father. They're not to be paraded around. And if we don't do it in secret, then we get no reward. These are things we do privately. Now, at times we may do them in a public setting, but it's private things between us and God. So verse 2, Jesus says, so when, he's going to give us now these two private disciplines. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Look at how much I'm giving. Yes, I care about all those in need. He says, don't do it like that as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in, what's that word? In full. They've already received the reward in full. Now, in these times, there would be needy people that would sit outside the synagogues, and they would wait for the religious people to leave, and this is where alms for the poor came, right? They'd be begging for money, and these religious Jews would give them money. They would, they would see someone in need, their heart would go out to them, and they would give to them. Um, this was above their tithe, their regular giving to their synagogue or church, which at this time, a devout Jew was already giving upwards of 18% of their income to God by giving it at church, right? So they're already giving a ton, yet they're giving in addition to that. And yet Jesus is noticing that there are some people that are doing it pretty flashy style, right? They want everyone around them to know that they are giving to those in need, and why are they doing it? Because they want people to look at them and say, oh, look at how generous they are. Look at how wonderful they are. And Jesus says, when that response comes from other people, we have received our reward in full. Verse three, Jesus continues, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, we know that this is hyperbole, right? I mean, we can't do something with our right hand and our left hand doesn't know it. Jesus says, do it in such a way that it's between you and your heavenly Father and it's not showy for other people. He says, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. First of all, I'm just blown away and I'm grateful for these scriptures because it says very clearly in these passages that our Heavenly Father sees us. Aren't you glad that God isn't some distant, faraway God that pays no attention to our lives? He sees us and he knows us. Man, I just think that is so cool. 
And so Jesus says, when you give, your heavenly Father will reward you. He'll see it, not men, but him. Now you might say, well, yeah, Ryan, I give, but I'm not doing it for a reward, which is fine and great and all, but God says he's gonna reward you anyway. That if you're faithful in giving to him, he will reward you. Now Jesus here doesn't say what the reward is, right? The Bible says it in other places, but here's the truth at its core and it's your next villain. That as you privately fund the things that are close to the heart of God, he sees it and will reward you. That is what Jesus tells us. As you privately fund the things that are close to the heart of God, he sees it and will reward you. So let me ask you this all-important question. What if we really believed that? What if we really believed that God saw it when we gave and he would reward us? What if we really believed? Because I would argue that one of the reasons that many people don't give the way that Jesus in in the scriptures instruct us to give is that we really don't believe it. Maybe we believe that God sees, but we're not quite so sure that he's going to reward it. And the issue, your next villain, the issue with our obedience in giving is not really about money, but rather our confidence or faith in God. That's really what it boils down to. The issue with our obedience in giving to God first is not about really money, but rather about our confidence or faith in him. So let me ask you again, what if you really believed that God would really reward you when you gave to the local church? Or when you gave to kids that are starving in Africa? Or when you gave to a missions organization? Or you gave to some other thing that was close to the heart of God? What if you really believed that God would see it and he would reward you? Because I think if we really believe that, Right? We wouldn't be like, oh, I got a text to give my money. Oh, you know, oh, I got to write this check. I don't know. You know, like there's that angst there. Instead, I think as this discipline gets in our lives, we go, wow, look at what we get to be a part of. Another opportunity to be a part of building God's kingdom in a way that I couldn't do on my own. But I get to join with others. See, and here's why this private discipline of financially giving is so important to building your foundation is that no matter what your religious background has been, whether you have been Catholic or Jewish or Jehovah's Witness or whatever it might be, I don't know what faith journey you're on and even where you're at this morning, however you picture it, when we die, there is one thing we all have in common. That every single one of us, regardless of faith beliefs, we all trust God for our eternity. Right? Whether you view that as heaven or purgatory, limbo, paradise, whatever it is, we all 100% trust God with our eternity. Why is that? Because we don't have any other choice, do we? We're dead. So of course we're trusting God with our eternity because it's out of our control. But Jesus teaches, and this is what's so different Jesus teaches that from your last breath, going backwards until now, that he knows that what we are usually trusting in is in our money or in our stuff 
or in our ability to create wealth. He knows that about us. He knows that our trust in this world really is in that, and it fights for competition for trusting and believing in him. Yet if we believe that he is a God who is a personal God, who controls our eternity and has invited us to call him Father, and he wants to teach us to trust him now, don't you think it makes sense for him to mess with the one thing that we trust in the most here? Right, that's what he does. He says, I know that your tendency is to trust in your money and your stuff. We live as if money is life, don't we? It's the thing that we tend to worry about the most. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I just think that's a human reality because we need money to live and we need money to put roof over our heads and we need money to eat And that's why Jesus comes along and says, I want you to trust me in this life by giving me some of that, the thing that you're tempted to trust in the most. He says, I'm inviting you into this place where this discipline can actually add so much security to your faith and so much security to your foundation. You say, but God, I I don't have enough to go around already. And Jesus says, and that's why I want you to trust me as your provider. But God, the church or that organization, they don't need my money. And Jesus would say, I'm not talking about needs. I'm talking about your heart. And I'm talking about where your trust is. And that's why he talks so much about money. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. Why is that? Because at the end of the day, it's all about our heart and what we put our trust in. And Jesus says, I want you to trust in me. I want you to trust in me. And that's why becoming a percentage and priority giver is so important. For Tara and I, the very first check every single month goes to Riverway. 10% and above of everything we make, we say, God, it's yours first because we see you as our provider. We trust you as that. And I would just, from my own experience, if you're a teenager in this room, if you're a college student, young person, can I just tell you that These two foundational principles, spending time with God and and ordering your finances the way God asks you to, if you will get these two things right early on, I'm telling you what, it will set you up for so much success later on. These two things are so important. And that's how God asks us to order our finances. We give first, we save, and then we live on the rest. We give, we save, we live on the rest. It's how he's ordered it for us. You give, you save, you live on the rest. And it's always him first. And this is really what we're saying. It's your next film, kind of a big one. When you give to him first, you're saying, God, I'm more interested in building your kingdom than my own. And by giving this to you first, I'm trusting you more than myself to provide. That's what we do. Every time we give, We say, God, I'm more interested in building your kingdom than mine. And I'm showing you that I'm putting my trust first in you, not in myself to provide. So it's a faith issue. But I get it. It's also an emotional issue, isn't it? I mean, there's like some tension, even as we're talking about this right now. There's there's probably some tension going on. Why is that? Right? To, To pay attention to some of that. Because money does weird stuff to us, doesn't it? Right? I mean, we look at our stuff, but 
You know, you know, we look at our stuff and we go, that should be like the least emotional. But oftentimes it's the most emotional because money represents our security. And Jesus knows that about us. And that's why your next fill-in, Jesus wants to be the true source and security in your life. Not money and not stuff. Jesus wants to be the true source and security in our life. Not some paper with pictures of dead presidents on them. I mean, that sounds silly, doesn't it? But we put our trust in paper as if that's our source. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 come on. That's not your greatest source. I want to be your greatest source. I'll be your provider. But it's going to take some faith to step into it. Jesus says, I want to be what you trust. I want to be your source. I want to be your security. I don't want you to trust me just after your last breath. I want you to trust me with every breath in the here and now. Will you trust me? And so if you're feeling some tension right now around the subject, in fact, it's one of my least subjects, favorite subjects to ever talk about. I don't like talking about money because it's just tension. It's just weird. I don't know. Right, but Jesus talked so much about it. We have to talk about it. It's so important to our life. But if you're feeling some tension right now, I just, I want to let you off the hook just a little bit. And this, this is, I believe, part of it, your next villain. The tension we feel around this is not necessarily about greed. Right, if you're feeling some tension right now around this idea of giving to God first financially, it's not because I think you're a greedy person. It's not. This tension is really about our faith. Do you trust that God will see it and God will reward you? That is the bottom line. Do you believe that God sees it and will reward it? Uh, To illustrate this, I just need one volunteer. I need one volunteer to come up here real quick. Uh, Not everybody's hand at once. Do I see one? Okay, thank you. Yeah, come on up here. Yep, come on up. All right, wild applause for the only volunteer in the room. Come on up, come on up. That was a smattering of applause. They weren't too excited. They they don't know what you're getting into, right? And you don't either. I'm actually going to ask you all about your personal finances. Come on over here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on over. What's your name? Chibuzo. One more time. Chibuzo. Chibuzo. All right, awesome. Nice to meet you. I'm going to have you stand right over here. How long have you been coming to Riverway? Turn and face, everybody. I don't know, like two months. Awesome. Well, glad that you're here. All right, step up just a little bit. I'm going to have you help me illustrate something, all right? Because this tension around finances is something that a lot of us feel. And so I have here is a rubber band, okay? And so I'm going to have you grab one end of that rubber band, yep. And then I'm going to grab the other end, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to try to pull this rubber band back, all right? And, and as this thing goes up further and further, right, are you getting nervous at all? Right in the mic. Why are you getting nervous? Because it's going to break. It might break, and it might hurt, right? Like mm-hmm. snap you back? Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can tell you're a, little, you're a little tense right now, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to ratchet it up just a little bit, okay? And so I'm going to have you hold on to this one. You hold on to that. You stay right there, okay? And what I'm going to do is I am going to slowly add some pressure and tension to this thing, right? As we go further into trusting God, there creates this tension for us. And especially when it comes to finances and you get further and further away, are you getting nervous? Mm-mm. You're not? Why, why aren't you nervous? It doesn't snap. But 
What if I let go? It's going to break. What? What if I let go? No. <laughs> no, please don't do that, right? But for many of us, when it comes to this tension in our finances with our Heavenly Father, these are the questions we ask ourselves. What if I step out in faith and God lets go? What if I try to be obedient? I'm like, okay, God, I just, this is a big step for me. What if God doesn't come through? Right? We're worried that he's going to let go, and all of a sudden everything will snap and fall apart in our life. Right? It's a genuine worry for us. Thanks, man, for your help. Hey, round of applause. Bigger than what you gave him on the way up. There you go. Right? Every step of faith, there's tension involved. And especially in the area of our finances, it's true. We ask, what if God lets go and I get hurt in the process? And it comes back to this idea of can God really provide for me? Can I really trust him? And here's what Hebrews 13, 5 says. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Not of money. There's nothing wrong with money. Keep your lives free from the love of money or the trust of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, never will I let go. He's promised it. That as you take steps of faith, he is not gonna leave you out there hanging out to dry. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply all of your needs according to your great ability to make great wealth and do well in your stocks. No. And my God will supply how many of your needs? All of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We have a monthly budget sheet and Tara and I do that we go over every month and that scripture is put right on there because I never want to forget this isn't about my ability to create wealth. It's not about my ability to provide for my family. I'm trusting my heavenly father. He is my provider. Right? It's all about him. And so your next fill in, Jesus says, for those willing to walk in obedience, their faith foundation will become secure and he will reward you, for those willing to walk in obedience, right? Step into that faith tension. It's how it grows. Our faith foundation becomes secure and he will reward us. So here's the second discipline that Jesus gives us in this passage. The very next verse, verse five, he says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What is their reward? Their reward is honor from other men, right? So Jesus saw this happening too, where people would pray this long-winded spiritual prayers out in the open, and so everyone would hear them and go, oh, wow, they're so spiritual. Can you believe how good they are at praying? They're so spiritual. They know all the right words and all the right phrases, and all the these and thous and, you know, and oh, they just got it all together. And for those whose intention was to be seen by men, Jesus says, listen, they've already received their reward in full. But, verse six, when you pray, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room 
and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And the very first thing that this shows us is that Jesus isn't talking about some shotgun prayers, right? Just bless the food and, you know, help my car to run today. And he's not talking about shotgun prayers. No, no, no. Jesus is saying this is going to be get really intentional. That you're giving a time and a place. Saying, Jesus, I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you. This personal discipline, your next fill-in, is about taking time and devoting it to him in prayer and scripture. That's what it's about. God wants us to take our most valuable asset. I think next to money, it's just time, or maybe more than money, time. Time that we can't get back. He says, I want you to give me a slice of your time to spend time with me. And you'd say, Ryan, I don't even know what to pray. And if you're in one of those spots where you go, well, I'm not spiritual enough to pray, and I don't know the these and nows and all that, can I just let you into something? You don't need to know how to pray. You just need to know how to talk. And if you know how to talk, you know how to pray. That's all you're doing. You're opening your voice saying, God, here I am. And God, I want to thank you for loving me because you know how messed up I am sometimes. God, you see my mistakes and so you accept me and I love you for that. And God, here's some things I'm worried about. Here's some things. And God, I want you to pray for my kids and I want to pray for my job and I want to pray for these. And you just begin to talk to them. Go in your room and pray. Close the door, find a time, find a place. Just you and Jesus. Verse six, then, Jesus says, if you're willing to find a time and a place, if you are willing to do that and pray, then your father who sees what is done in secret will, what's that word? Reward you. Maybe you never, ever heard before that you could be rewarded for praying. That's pretty amazing. Say, Ryan, are you saying that we should pray to get rewarded? I didn't say it. Jesus did, okay? I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Jesus said, when your heavenly Father sees you praying, he will reward you. There's something about giving God a piece of your schedule that honors him. You might say, well, you know, if I were in a real emergency, I would stop and pray, believe me. But can I tell you, it honors him when there's no emergency. And honor him when there's nothing pressing. And you just say, God, I want to know you better. I want to spend some time with you. I want to get up a few minutes early, set my alarm a little early before anyone else gets up. And I want to find some time. You see, many seasoned followers of Jesus would say their reward has been not in getting all of their requests answered, the reward has been in this unshakable assurance that their heavenly Father is with them. The heavenly Father is with them. That when life is hard, he's with them. When the kid is sick, they're with them. When you've lost the job, he's with you. All right, it's because of this ongoing relationship, it's this assurance that he's with us. And so your last fill-in, to start this private discipline, pick a time and pick a place. It really is that simple. Pick a time and pick a place. And maybe it's early in the morning before anyone gets up and you, and you put on some songs that we sing here at Riverway as kind of a background. And you open up your Bible and you say, God, help me to, 
hear something from you. In fact, in your bulletin, there's a Bible bookmark for the month of January. We do this every month. And there's, there's a guide for you to follow this month and what you can read. Or if you're still not sure, you can open up the book of Proverbs. Right in the middle of the Bible, there's 31 chapters, one for every day of the month. You can just go to the date and read. And just read until you bump into something. Read until you're done with the chapter. And then say, God, what are you speaking to me through that? Spending time with him. See, some of the five things that we're going to talk about during this series are things that we cannot control. But these are two things we definitely can control. And as we become obedient, our foundation of faith can become secure. But make no bones about it. These are disciplines, which means they're not always fun at first because of the tension. It says, God, I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. Would you be willing to give up your lunch hour to say, God, I'm going to spend it with you or shut off the TV before bed and say, God, I'm going to finish my day reading and praying. Or the tension, God, I don't have enough money to give. Right? These are disciplines. But as we step into them, they begin to grow on us and they, they begin to take progress, right, and fruit in our life. It's effective. So God says, would you be willing to give me a slice of your time and a slice of your money? Because when you do that, what you're really saying is, God, I trust you with my time and I trust you with my money. So important. It's like building a foundation. You have the bricks and you put the concrete on. And the promises of God are like that concrete, yet we have the application to put it on. Right? Like we said last week, that if we don't apply it, it doesn't mean anything. But when we apply his promises and we set our lives in it, suddenly our foundation becomes so secure. And so I want to double dog dare you over the next couple months to give God some of your time and to give God some of your money. They say, God, I'm going to give you the first few minutes. Or on Friday when you get paid, you say, God, any, any money that comes in this month over the next couple months, I'm giving you the first I'm giving you the first bit. And that word tithe actually means 10%. That's what God invites us into and asks of us. 10% of everything we make goes back to him. You know, when you have that little rubber band, right? My first job and I was making, I don't know, $200 a month. It was like 20 bucks, great, okay. But then the stakes get bigger, don't they? You get a real job. Suddenly you're making $40,000 a year, $50,000 a year. And it's four or $5,000 a year. Suddenly it's bungee cord time, right? And now all of a sudden the tension's real. But as you step into this and you say, God, I want to trust you in these areas of my life, God will show up. Be a percentage giver. If you can't start at 10%, pick a percentage, 3%, 5%, just somewhere saying, God, I want to trust you. I want to begin this in obedience to you. Pick a time and a place and begin to pray. Find a closet, find you know, your bedroom. Or when you get into the office, first thing you do is you shut the door and say, God, this time is for you. And I promise you when you do that, our foundations will become more secure than we could have ever dreamed possible because we've put these two private disciplines into our life. So as we close, I want to ask you this question. What is God asking of you? Is he asking you to be obedient in either one of these areas or both? And if so, this is our moment to respond. And what we do in this moment will determine whether we apply it and it bears the fruit in our life or we ignore it and say, God, I'm going to figure this out on my own.
So would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray? And just between you and God, for the next 30 seconds, I just want us to ask this question, God, what are you requiring of me? What are you asking of me? And then we get to respond in obedience. So between us and God, let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for leading us into these places of tension where you want our faith to grow. Thank you for loving us enough to not leave us where we're at, but you want us to grow. And you want us to become more like you. You want our foundation to be secure. And so when it comes to time and money, God, we know there's tension all around it. But I pray by your spirit, you'd give us the courage to step it out in obedience and to watch you prove yourself faithful. That as we spend time with you, our countenance changes, our heart changes, our anxiety decreases, more full of joy and peace because we're building relationships. God, when we give to you financially, we see your provisions and it increases our faith all the more to recognize that we truly are not the provider you are. So God, tomorrow morning as we wake up, help us to live this out, to give you a little bit of our time, a little bit of our money. And as a result, would you secure our foundation? In Jesus' name we pray.